Hello and welcome to the Newsmax Daily Podcast. My name is Kay Smythe. I am your fill-in host for the week, taking over for Tony Marino. The date today is Thursday, October 19th, and we have a slightly different episode for you today, dear listener. Last night, Newsmax host Greta Van Susteren sat down with Beth Holloway, the mother of Natalie Holloway. Most of you probably know that name. We've known that name since 2005, when Natalie Holloway disappeared at the age of 18 during a high school graduation trip to Aruba. In recent days, the chief suspect in Holloway's murder, a man named Joran van der Sloot, admitted to killing the teenager, disposing of her remains, and then trying to extort money from her mother years later. We know that Joran van der Sloot killed Natalie. He told a federal courtroom in Alabama, just a few miles from where Natalie used to live, that he did it. But he's not charged in Holloway's death. Van der Sloot is a Dutch citizen and was sentenced Wednesday to 20 years in prison for extortion and wire fraud. But as part of his plea agreement, that sentence will run concurrently with his sentence in Peru, where he's serving a 28-year prison sentence for killing Stephanie Flores in 2010. So this is a man that we know has killed at least two people. And if you ask me, a 28-year prison sentence is uh, far too low for what he's done. But that's just me. Who cares about my opinion in this context? I think we really need to sit down today and listen to what Natalie's mother, Beth, has to say about what I, I, I can't even imagine she has been through. Beth, um, 18 and a half years since we first met. Incredible, isn't it? Uh, yes, incredible journey with you, Greta, yes. It's just been extraordinary. You know, I don't know what it's like for you, but, um, or actually I should ask you, what was it like when you saw Yaron Vandersloot walk into the courtroom? Oh, I felt so victorious. Like, finally. It felt like such an accomplishment, Greta. And I think back to how you even tried to get me 18 plus years ago. You were working so hard to get me in front of him, to get me to the home, to get me in front of the parents, and then to sit here and see him walk in shackle was very victorious. You know, for me, you know, because we've been on this 18 and a half years journey together, um, we're sort of the unlikely friends. I'm a cheese head from Wisconsin, you're from Alabama, and we've become very close. I. I wish I looked at him, those arms, his arms were so big. And I looked at him, I thought, those cruel arms beating Natalie yeah. to death and Stephanie Flores. I, I, I was stunned at his size. I don't remember him being that large and, and it, it, he looked violent to me. Yeah. And I agree with you. I was shocked. I think I was the most shocked when he came in on June 9th and was arraigned. That was the first time I'd seen him in. Uh, probably well since his prison in Peru in 2010, but he was seated. So, but I think that was the most shocking when he came in his size. I didn't realize how how tall he was and and big he was. Yeah. And then the contrast is like when the you know because I think of how violent he you know that he was with these two young women killing him and um, as in, and then when I listen to him talk to the judge as he's shackled, he goes, "Yes, ma'am." Oh, I know. Yes, ma'am. Almost whispering today, and I thought, I "What?" Know. What a liar. How? Oh, what a cruel liar. Mm. Well, I think he has no conscience. And you've already made it clear to me. He has no remorse. He has no regret. He has no guilt. You know, he's just, he just acts. 
I mean, he just acts. And I think when I said he has four functions of existence, it's anger, killer, food, and sex. That's all he's got, Retta. That's all I've ever seen from him. And that's, I think, and I think that is his makeup. Well, the extraordinary thing for me is that I, you know, I've told you, I've represented people in criminal cases, I've done death penalty cases. I always found something good to say about somebody, <sighs> find some remorse. I can think of, I, I can think of nothing good to say about him. I mean, I've never seen evil so compact. Yeah, well, he has remorse, remorse for himself. I think that's the, that's the only thing that he can feel sorry for is himself. That's it. Yeah, one thing that I heard is that he was, <clears throat> he said that um, he, 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 did, he wasn't so much angry at the Flores family, Stephanie Flores family, who, um, whose daughter they, he beat to death, but that he was more angry at you and me because we wouldn't let up on him because he's such a victim. Why don't we let it go? Uh, Greg, I think he hates you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I think he does hate me <laughs> because you were like the driving force for 18 plus years and were relentless and you never let it go. And with you not ever letting it go, you kept me in that drive mode too, Greta. So. Well, you know, I always describe say, um, and I have an immense amount of awe of you. I mean, you never gave up and I'm sure people were saying, you know, Beth, get on with your life or thinking it. He never gave. He never gave up on your daughter. Not for one second. I mean, day in and day out, no. I'd call you early in the morning. It's just been going on. You never gave up on Natalie. But Greta, when this last phase was reignited from you in uh, March of, it was March of twenty twenty one, right? March COVID. Of, COVID. Yeah. Well, it was actually yeah, pulling COVID, out of it. Yeah. COVID. March of twenty twenty one. Honestly, Greta, I, I felt guilty because I was laying down. You know, I was beginning to lay down and, and feel like, you know, I was, uh, I didn't really have another, my engines were just gone, you know, they were just gone. But that's when you came back in with this phenomenal feat of you know, accomplishment of, of what we began three and a half years ago to get, or two and a half years ago to get him here. And, but you came in with that whole resurgence of energy and dedication and just like, I mean, you were just like, Greta, you were hammering. And I was like, well, I better, I better get up. I mean, I better get going because, I mean, if you hadn't come back when you did, Greta, I was pretty much beginning to flatline. I was. You know what though, but you know, with my, what my drive was, and I've told you this before is that when I showed up in Aruba in 2005, and I did not want to go there. I did. I was. I thought this was a. I just thought, look, you know, uh, girls go out, they meet guys, they party, they miss planes. That's how I looked at it. So I, I thought it was. I didn't really particularly want to go all the way down to Aruba to do this story, and I got sent there. And uh, my hotel room wasn't open, so I said, "Well, what what room was she in?" And they told me the hotel, and I went over to, and knocked on the door. You opened the door. I I felt like a like a lead balloon hit me because when you meet a parent who's desperate looking for a child or his child's been murdered, yeah. nothing like it. Nothing wow. like it. Wow. Oh, you came in at the perfect time, Greta. I know you had been in LA. I had been covering the uh, Michael, Michael Jackson, Jackson case. So I was tired. I was done. Yeah. You know, I was done. You were going to be in and out, weren't you? Mm -hmm. Wow. You weren't. You, Greta, we're, we're sitting here together today. I mean, October 18th, 2023. It's incredible. And it's Natalie's birthday on Saturday? Natalie's birthday would be Saturday, 21st. How old? How old? 36. Thir oh, 37. <laughs> 37. Yeah. 
Um, in fact, today you talked in court today when you turned around and confronted your aunt, all the things that he's been able to do, um, have, a, have a wife and a child and, uh, all, and all the promise that we missed on, on Natalie. Yeah, I know, I know. But I'm trying to look at today, Greta, is what you brought me was a victory and it's very victorious and it was a huge team effort, you know, from you and I and you lighting the fire and we hit Miami, hit Birmingham and, you know, we just felt like we picked up all these, you know, all these different facets of it along the way and it just, here we, here we are. What do you think Natalie would be like today? Oh, I think Natalie would be, I think she'd have reached her goal. I think that she would be a doctor by now. I believe that. And she would have a niece and a nephew. She would have my grandchildren, Matt's. He has a little girl and little boy. So she would have nieces and nephews. Wow. She would just have her own children. I would have more grandchildren than my two from that. So I think that she would, gosh, have just lived, you know, a great life and still a great life ahead of her. So, you know, and sometimes, ah, what am I going to do, cry? <laughs> but, but here's what I really feel. I feel like she kind of still lives her life through Matt. And I don't know if people like that or not, but I just kind of feel like he has just taken off, you know? So he's just, I feel like she still lives on. She lives in our hearts and souls. There are no words, really, you know, for the type of evil that exists in this world. The type of evil that allows a slimy, scummy little boy to take the lives of at least two incredible women. You know, working with victims of different forms of domestic violence and intimate partner violence, things like that. Um, it's my experience that a man who has the capability to do this once or twice always has the capability to do it again. It becomes normalized in their behavior. And there's nothing, there's nothing we can do to go back and bring Natalie back. We can't bring Ms. Flores back. But we do all know that Natalie and so many other women, I mean, upwards of 80% of women, particularly in Native American communities, but all demographics of women will experience some form of violence from a man in their life, whether they know that man or not. It's sadly one of the most common things that women have to go through. And I think, I know, I know it is incredibly difficult for men, especially men who would never do this. A man who would never be around another man who would do this. It is so difficult for men to listen to us talk about these experiences. I can't tell you the number of people who, you know, I work with a group called War Party Movement, and we try our best to rescue women and children from potentially deadly situations. Uh, the organization was founded by uh, former Green Beret, Jeremiah Wilbur. And it's, it's crazy to me how when I sit down in a room full of good men and I try to explain what that process look like, looks like, what the grooming process looks like, and 
how sudden the onset of physical violence can be. You know, it quite often doesn't start with that. It'll start with forms of verbal violence. And to sit down in a room full of men, good men, and see them cringe and see them literally want me and other women to stop talking about what, what this experience can be like, I think it's actually really stunted our ability to tackle these crises. So I'm not thankful that I'm here today getting to talk about it. I wish I didn't have to. But for whatever reason, again, God put me here at this moment in time. So I'm absolutely going to use it to tell every single woman out there that there is help, that there are people who will help you. And they will typically come from the most unlikely source. You will be absolutely blown away by the people who will stand up and say, yes, I will help you get out of this situation. Um, If you're lucky enough to, you know, be able to get out, we... I know a lot of women who haven't. Clearly, that's the whole theme today. Sorry, it's just very difficult, you know, how normalized this is. And yet I've worked in media my entire life. I was first published almost 20 years ago. And this is one of the few things that we're sort of not allowed to talk about. And for any women listening out there, you know, I absolutely recommend the domestic violence hotline. You call it, it's 800-799-7233. But like I said, there are so many other resources and you never know where that help and support is going to come from. You never know. I'm sure Beth Holloway had no idea that her and Greta Van Susteren were going to become so bonded through this tragedy. But again, I just wish it was something that they never had to go through. I wish Natalie was here today. So this is your pretty heavy podcast for a Thursday. Anyway, please remember to check out new episodes of the Newsmax Daily Podcast in all the typical places. Tony will be back next week. Uh, All the stories from today's show can be found on Newsmax.com, Rumble, YouTube channels, and all your favorite social media spots. I'm Kay Smythe. And I'm really proud of all of the women who stand up to protect other women. I'm really proud of all the men that stand up to protect women. I'm proud of Beth. I'm proud of Greta. And I'm proud of you guys listening, if you got this far. Thank you. And I'll be back again tomorrow with the latest for the Newsmax Daily Podcast. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere.